everyone, it's another episode of Glitch Free Gaming. It's episode number 209. Hooray! Hooray. I had to think there. I didn't know whether I was going to say 209 or 209. <sighs> 209. 209. It's good. it's good as the last of the two zeros to figure that out. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good time to change things up. I know. It's funny how your brain, you just do things automatically and then when you think about them, you go, what have I been doing all this time? Yeah. Why have I only thought about this now one, you know, one step before it's finished? Exactly. But uh... <laughs> Anyway, if you are somehow downloaded this and gone, what the hell is this? We are Glitch Free Gaming. We are a weekly podcast, or we try to be a weekly podcast, about Somewhat games. Weekly. Uh, yeah, somewhat weekly. Uh, but games, uh, be it video games, board games, social media games. If it's a game, we'll, we'll probably talk about it at one point. Uh, my name is Mike. Uh, my co-host with me is Kieran. And Paul is normally here as well. But uh, he is busy with other worldly things. Just to make he's it sound out. more mysterious there. He's out <laughs> in nature today. He is, yes, yeah. So he's uh, playing this real life game thing. Um, I couldn't find the controls to play that, so I'm not very good at it. But uh, let us talk about all sorts of games. So, uh, and uh, I'm completely unprepared because I've locked my iPad, which has <laughs> the show notes on it. So, <laughs> so uh, Kieran, you have been, you've went back to the. Uh, the snares mini yeah so i was uh messed about my snares mini the other day uh i said that day it was yesterday um i need to I'm... do that again so i wanted to check in on like the hacking tools for it to see how they, yes you know changed since last time i used it which i think you hacked yours basically around the same time as i did yes um, and then i got the the nes mini and i hacked that as well yeah yeah, and the, the so, tools had changed. Yeah, so I don't know about how the tools were that second time for you, but the tools that I was using are so much better than they were before. Well, uh, I used it the... So I got my SNES Mini, it was a good while after you. Yeah. Well, it wasn't uh, that much longer after. No, yeah, actually, was, no, yeah, it wasn't, yeah. It was a few um, weeks. But it was, it was painless to use it. Yeah, um, well, that's the thing. Like the the tools they had before were painless for adding and removing Super Nintendo games. I found yes, but they've made it more painless for adding other stuff now as well. Yeah. Um, so. so yeah, so like the which is what I was doing. So yeah, like the issue that it had, before, or not the issue, but the way it worked before was you download this tool, uh, Hackchi or Hackchi Two specifically, because yes, there was. Actually, was a NES one, and then they, the the that was maintaining it stopped maintaining it, and a team forked it, and then made it crazy awesome. Um, but yeah, so Hatchy Two, they added a thing called the the mod store to it, which mm-hmm. you go into the mod store, you can just download. Um, oh God, what's the name of the emulator? The big emulator that everything uses. Um, uh, oh, I forgot the name of it. Uh, now you're emu- asking. Uh, it starts with a, is it an R? No. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely starts with an R, but I can't remember what it is. R- Rome, Rame, Ro- 
people are shouting it over the podcast yeah, right probably. now. Uh, uh, right, you carry on. It'll come, it'll come to one of us. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, they added uh, RetroArc as the name of it. Um, oh, yeah. And RetroArc's this big emulator that you can feed different cores into, so it can basically... It, it's kind of like a, a big emulator that pulls in smaller emulators for specific things. Yes. So yeah. you install RetroArc on the SNES Mini, and then you can also install different cores so you can play different you know system games. And yes. as a result, I pulled in RetroArc and pulled down the Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance cores for oh, it. Oh, wow. Which was all just like a couple of clicks now because that's just all built into the Hackchi modding tools now. Yes. And then you just drag and drop Game Boy Advance and Game Boy Color games into it and it just works. And it's awesome. Oh, nice. So, I mean, ones that I definitely own. Don't pirate games. <clears throat> yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I was playing uh, WarioWare on my TV, which is pretty good. Uh, like the oh, Game wow. Boy Advance one. Because, man, yeah. you know what's a good game? WarioWare. Well, I've got the... I've got a version of that on my... 3DS because I was one of the early adopters. I got that Nintendo mm. Ambassador package. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, similar to that, I also game. put Metroid Fusion on it because that, that was another one of those games as well. Oh man, that means you could play Advance Wars on your TV. Fuck, I didn't even think about Advance Wars. I'm going to have to plug this back in. <laughs> oh, I, did, I put a bunch of... So the main reason I did it is because I wanted to put... Uh, like, I own pretty much you know one of each state generation of the pokemon games yeah but and i don't really care about playing the pokemon games but my girlfriend likes them a lot and i was uh-huh. like okay i want to give her some pokemon games to play but i don't want her to have to fucking like the only gba i have is a, like a original gba like the clear purple plastic one that doesn't have a backlit screen or anything yeah it's like that sounds like a hellish way for her to play pokemon yellow crystal yeah ruby or whatever other old ones are and so i was like fuck i'll just dump them onto this super nintendo mini instead um so you can play it on the tv and so i did that so i've got and it's also cool you can like group things into folders so i've got you know like a pokemon folder and then a game boy color folder and a game boy advance folder ah, right yeah um and then there's course for tons of other things in there like there's uh uh, a Neo Geo one, which I'll probably end up downloading at some point and putting right. money positive. So how much space there. does it take up on on the this nice mini? I don't, not much. Like uh, Hatchy doesn't say specifically, but it has like a little bar basically showing how much space yes. it takes up. Yeah. And I I've only used up like I've used up less than a quarter of it. I think with wow. I've dumped probably about like ten Game Boy Advance games on there. Alright, okay. Um, and then a handful more Super Nintendo games on there because, you know, right. I really needed to play Aladdin again. Of course. Of course. And, uh, oh god, what else did I dump on there? There was something I specifically, like, did it for. Like, there was a Super Nintendo game that I originally did it for. I can't remember what it was now. <laughs> um, <laughs> shows how much I actually cared about yeah. I'll I'll need to go back and do it, but uh, yeah, because the 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 funny thing was when I bought the the NES Mini, and you know we were talking, and you were like, you realize you've bought the same thing twice. It's just yeah, in a different. It's literally scheme. the same thing. Yeah, and my justification for it was that at the time, Hackshi didn't do what it does now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, now you could just download RetroArch through it. I mean, you could always yes. install RetroArch on it, but you had to like yeah. FTP into the device itself yes, and then install that right. way. Yeah. Which was too. Yeah. It's not that hard to do, but it's a bit of a pain in the ass, so I just didn't bother. Yeah. yeah. Now it's literally so just I... a click. So. Yes, I was the same. So when I downloaded the new version of Hacksy and I put it on, and it was like, you can now do this. And it was like, oh. And I thought, it's okay because you know you're only doing that with Hacksheet anyway because it's stuff you already own, isn't it? Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, yes. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So because I now have a a SNES Mini as well, and I've given Nintendo a bit more money for yeah. stuff I already own. Um, the way I'll yeah. see it is stuff like, you know, I I will end up rebuying any and all of these goddamn Game Boy Advance games that get re-released on. This, on, on like, switch. The switch like yeah. having the portability of it with you know if advanced wars if they release like an advanced wars bundle on the switch i will buy that day one but until then yeah. i'll maybe just put it on my on my yeah this mini uh, apparently like there's a i don't know if all of the cores that are listed on their mod store i don't know if they just like dumped basically every mod every core onto it or if there is specific ones that will work well on the super nintendo mini um right because there's like a nintendo 64 one there which that seems like it might be a bit i don't know power but i guess yeah. i don't know how powerful the super nintendo mini is yeah um and there was i want to say there was a ps1 one on there i just stuck to game Boy advance because that was what i wanted like i wanted yeah uh, yeah i wanted pokemon games i wanted warrior wear you know i wanted easy way yeah. to play things that legitimately are sitting in my wardrobe but yes yeah the only access i have is the old game boy advance is that i could have yeah. bought a new game boy advance i guess that's not well yeah well that's what i didn't remember that i picked up uh one of the old gbas as well and uh, it's yeah, yeah. yeah you struggle to find the ones that have the, the the nice backlighting and that and it is so all those games that i bought are now just sitting there and they're they're a bit of a nightmare to play. I I bought the old um, the old DS as well that can play the GBA cartridges. Yeah, and that's okay for a little while, but the screen isn't. You know, the, the emulation's not as good. Blah blah blah. So yeah, no, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, it's nice, and they all kind of blows up nicely onto the TV. Um, cool. I've not had any issues with it. I've not sunk like a bunch of time into anything. Uh, right. Like I played through the first two sets of mini games in WarioWare because WarioWare's great. I almost yeah. accidentally installed WarioWare Twisted to it and then remembered that's a dumb idea. That because... game had motion controls in the cartridge. That's not going to work. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> I assume someone must have found a way to emulate that like mapping it to buttons or something but still it's the yeah. only one. Yeah. Really, this was all just me trying to find a way around buying that 3DS game because, man, I really want that 3DS WarioWare game, but I don't want to use my 3DS. Yeah, I was looking at it as well, and it's like, ah, it's, I've got WarioWare's I can play, and, you know, I've yeah, got the ones it, it, the, It's the a compilation and... of older ones that you've probably played stuff of. Like, it has a bunch of the Wii mini games in it. It has Game Boy Advance yeah. mini games in it. Yep. Uh, yeah, the... The one that the first WarioWare that came out for the Game Boy, I had, I think I was one of the few people I knew that had it. Yeah. 
it came out and not many people knew what it was then once they knew what it was you couldn't get your hands on it yeah they, they didn't have a big print on here yeah but um yeah i was uh, yeah i i finished it um finished all of them but some of them now are rock hard i struggle mm-hmm. uh but yeah good games yeah yeah um yeah, I like those games a lot. Like those games, the thing I've been realizing more and more like recently is that there are two games more so than any other games. Like I really want a Fire Emblem on Switch and stuff like that, but more so than even that, there are two games I want Switch games of. One is WarioWare, and the other's Rhythm Rhythm Heaven. Uh... I need both those things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I bought the. I think I bought the digital version of that that came out for the 3DS. Yeah, the one that came out last year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I never mean, picked up. I didn't pick up either of those games, and I should have because I love both. Yes. Games, but, yeah, you should have. But using my 3DS is even a year ago something that I was like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'll just wait and hope other stuff comes out. Um, yes. But yeah, so I didn't actually play a bunch of stuff on it, but I downloaded a bunch of things onto it, and it was really easy to mod all that things, all those things on. Um, I didn't encounter the same issues that I had a few months ago when I first did it. Um, I think I explained on the podcast back then that they had an issue with uh, Ryzen processors. On PC. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So when you tried to connect your SNES Mini to it and tried to write stuff to it, it would just fail because for some reason. Um, and the only workaround was to basically try every USB port on your computer and hope. I found oh, wow, yeah. Un- I found that unplugging my keyboard for some reason, I presume because it's like a big gaming keyboard that has additional USB ports and like forwards ports to it, something about that, like unplugging that fixed it before. Um, All right. This time, it, this time it just worked. So they must have fixed that oh, since, okay. yeah. since then. Um, cool. But yeah, I definitely recommend people. Super Nintendo Mini is already a cool thing, but being able to add, making it into just like a little emulation box rather than just a Super Nintendo box, is great. Yeah, it makes it makes it that much better. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, so you've been playing some Octopath Traveler, and you're further than me now. So I need to know. Yes. Is it still yeah. Good? Oh man. Yes. I am, I'm very much enjoying it. I think I'm 27 or 27, 28 hours into it now. Oh God, you're like seven, eight hours further than me. Yeah, I have completed five of the eight uh, chapter twos. Jesus, you're way further than me. I've not even finished one of them yet. Oh, wow. I need to play more of it. (laughs) I keep picking away. I'm doing Ophelia's one, and I have Tressa in my team who is under leveled compared to everyone else, and also just yes. kind of weak in general. Um, She's all right once you. Yeah, I I use her in some places. So I've just finished leveling her up. I, I just finished her um, second second chapter not that long ago. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, and I beg your pardon, I'm 29 hours, 10 minutes into it. Jeez. So I am busy with uh, Oberic, 
Yeah. Is it Ulrich, the, the warrior? Ulrich, the, yeah. The, yeah. Is this chapter the, two any good? Because <laughs> chapter um, one was kind of generic. This is kind of generic as well. He's, his story seems to be the most generic. Yeah. Like, I like, it's kind of a shame because I really like the location at the start of his, uh, well, his chapter one. But, yeah. yeah. So, his second chapter is. I suppose we can talk about it. It's not too spoilery. He's looking mm-hmm. for someone and he ends up, he gets sent to a place. You know, not, not much. Uh, and one of the locations on the map is called Victor's Hollow. Um, some uh, One of the other characters, one of their chapters ends up there as well. Um, mm. But it's a town and they have a gladiator's arena. Okay. Now, his story has got something to do with that. I've just kind of waded into the middle of it at the moment, so yeah. I'm not 100% sure of all the ins and outs of it. But, yeah, it has this area, and there's another part that appeals to Tressa, and she's going to want to go there for one of her chapters as well. Okay. And it's really cool. The location's really cool because it's got, you know, obviously, you know, all these people are here for the fights, the the, the gladiators, yeah. but they're also there because of the markets. So mm-hmm. the world building is, is fantastic. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's definitely it, the strongest part of that game so far for me. Yeah. Even like not as far as being not as far as you like each of the towns and villages you va- uh, you visit, like during that first, the first load of chapters, all yeah. feel unique and not necessarily realistic, but like justified, if that makes sense. Yes. Like, yeah, you know the the reason they are the way they are is feels explained by you know what little you learn about the town. Yeah, um, and you know the, the location there. The 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 map is just been really well thought out, and yeah, yeah, just really good. Um, yeah, I've got my. So the way that I'm playing at the moment, I've got three characters. That I, so you've always got a roster of four. I keep three. Um, they're my staples. So I'm using Ophelia. That's whose story I started with. Um, yeah. So she can't change up my team. Then I've got Cyrus and uh, Hanit, which is, I think, who you picked. for yeah, That's your main. Yeah. And also my uh, team has basically been those three the whole time. Oh, well. right. Because <laughs> Ophelia just like, I, she's the best healer. And so it feels almost necessary to have her in your team yeah um, and but her white I magic's just, pretty good as well yeah and then i just like cyrus like I there's no good reason for cyrus like he's got a good mix of elemental spells but i just like cyrus is the main reason I just yes yeah good. yeah his story is um I mean, he's just helpless <laughs> i love his chapter one because cyrus's chapter one is basically someone stole a book i should investigate this and everyone's just like why Yes, like, I'm going to investigate this and figure it out, and everyone's just like, oh, "But why? You're, you're, I mean, fine." And he's like, "I'm yeah, going. To, the... I need to leave town to investigate it." And it's like, "Why?" <laughs> but there's the the whole thing with the the princesses as well. So the the kind of joke with Cyrus is that he is he's this good looking guy, but he's a bookworm. You know, mm-hmm. he's heavy into studying. He's the scholar, and. Uh, and he, he's a look a good looking bloke and all these young girls and girls fawn and fall over him and it just goes way over his head. Mm-hmm. He has no clue. 
Um, and the exchanges with them is, is brilliant. Uh, so there's a, a at the end of his first chapter where he's talking to it's uh, is it the princess's handmaiden or and she's basically she's she's fallen in love with him and she's trying to tell him this and he's like oh it was so sweet that you came away came to see me away um you'd love your lessons that much and she's like <laughs> you are completely clueless aren't you <laughs> yeah it's just like come on no one likes their education <laughs> um yeah i i love his story it is it's it very light-hearted compared to so i think we spoke about this before compared to some of them yeah so you are quite you, dark yeah you've got primrose it's geez that that just that goes darker because really? the first yeah. chapter is very dark yeah it gets worse she um, bumps in, she bumps into somebody that she's met uh from her previous life and something unpleasant has happened to them. Their life has taken kind of an unexpected turn. Okay. Yeah, it's um, it's like uh, <laughs> and the language that the uh, yeah things haven't been good to me. I'm a whore now. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is it, the the game leads you up to this certain point and then it just whacks you in the in the face which it didn't do in the first chapter for primrose you know because it implied these things it implied that primrose had things happen to her and it was all part of you know she was kind of working undercover so she let people get away with things for reasons and and it's implied what those things are second chapter is like no she's a whore (laughs) (laughs) right okay uh i'm still enjoying it though it's very good uh don't know what else I can really tell you about it. Uh the map is I've still, you know, when you go to the map screen you have a look at what's not been filled in. There is still a hell of a lot, so I yeah, don't know how big massive. this thing is. Yeah. It seems real big. Which is good. Yeah. I wonder if you get like an airship or something at some point. I don't know. Yeah. That'd be quite like, good. I mean that's how all those Super Nintendo Final Fantasies that it is drawing so much inspiration from. That's how they all went. They're like, by yes. the way, you have an airship now, you or you have a ship, or you have something. Yeah. Um. The. So you know when you go to each of the towns and on it tells you you can see where each of your main car- or your eight characters where their next chapter is and what level you yeah. should be before you attempt it. So the level three. Uh, sorry, the chapter threes, the levels you're looking at round about, say, average of level 40. Mm-hmm. So that's quite quite a jump. I don't think... My guess would be if you're going to get an airship, it'd probably be after chapter four or something. Yeah. You know, well, because I don't know it... how many chapters there is. Oh, that's also true. Because yeah. I, I think it might just be three. No. 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 Or maybe no, three were... for each then like a final? Quite possibly. There was uh I know with Tresses and um she wants to go to a certain place and it said um the end of chapter two, it tells you where her final place that she wants to go, her final okay. goal. You find yeah. out what that is. But and but it says but first she needs to go to her next locate her next yeah. location. 
So it doesn't say, you know, it go, she's going there, then she's going to the final location. So there could be four and a final, or I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but also, but, at some point, I don't know if you've done this yet, because I've, I've definitely not. Um, at some point, you also will like unlock the ability to add additional jobs to characters. Yes. Now, so have you reached that? Yes, I... You know, there's little caves and things around as yeah. well where you can go into caves and you can... And I found a location, I went in, and there was not much in the way of grinding or paths there. It was a basically a straight path, and it was like an altar. And I mm-hmm. found something, and it says, oh, congratulations, you have now... I forget the exact language. But yeah, basically allows you to add... It tells you what job you can add to any one of the characters. Okay. And then so you can then switch jobs. You can take that character and switch their job at a tavern. That's quite cool. So I was able to take Ophelia and I gave her the job of mage. That you know, so she she's she, yeah, a she, white mage she, and she, also a mage. Yeah, she beat you basically turn her into she's got the same skill set then as Cyrus. Mm-hmm. But also um, all her healing stuff, presumably. Yeah, but you can't use them at the same time. Ah, so you have to like switch. Yeah, you need to switch between them. I haven't okay. played around with doing that yet, uh, just because of where I am and the you know the levels that I need to be, yeah. and I'm normally I'm normally pulling one of the characters along with me, so I don't have all three of them at this uh, you know at the correct level. Yeah, it was. That definitely seems to be how I've been doing it as well. Where it's like, I'm yeah. Gonna one character is under level compared to the rest because I need to level them up a bit. Yeah. I've I do like the the stories and things. One of the I read an article and I I did I thought to myself I was going to find the source of it, but it came out the one of the blogs or websites had written this article about the game probably about a week or so after it came out. And what they were saying was that one of the biggest things about Octopath Traveler that lets it down and basically makes it a bad game is that there's no, you know, you've got these eight different characters, but there's no interaction. So when you go and you do that person's story, it's like the other characters disappear. Yeah. And that's a valid comment, you know, because it is in terms of design, all of a sudden, all the other characters disappear, and it's just the one character on screen. Mm-hmm. And he goes and does his thing. Then the story happens, and he's on screen. Then the story clicks away, and when it comes for you to do kind of the dungeon crawly bit, all the characters show up again, and you yeah. do that. The fine, the battles include all your characters and everything. But he carry he goes on and says, you know, that there's a whole what they're missing a trick because, you know, what would um, Ophelia think of Therion's thieving ways. You know, she's been brought up in this this background. What would she think of that? And I know, that's a fair point. Finished reading that, went back to playing the game, and as I started finishing off the chapter ones and going into them, that exactly happens. There's you can have conversations. Yeah, and the, I've only encountered one of those so far, but yeah. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah, they once you get the first one out of the way, they tend to come um, 
quite fast and furious every time you're doing some something story related. All right. So you I guess you it's go into some, chapter two stuff. Yeah, you go into somebody's chapter, uh, their chapter, and they'll have a conversation. They'll have a couple of conversations with different characters depending on who's in the party and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit reminiscent of the Fire Emblem stuff. Yeah, that's definitely what it reminded me of. Where it's like it's not necessarily direct. Like I think it's still a little bit of an issue where those characters aren't directly in the cutscenes. They aren't directly in the plot, but they will have conversations around the edge of it, which is well, yeah, the, the, yeah. Um, which is so... still good. It's just not ideal. Yeah, I can understand the... that still being a complaint for some people. I'm fine with it, but yeah, yeah. I was, I thought it would, I I really like some of the conversations because the characters are playing against each other. You've got um, a theory on the thief who teases Ophelia because Ophelia's she's quite sheltered in her upbringing. You know, yeah. she spent it in a monastery and all of that stuff. And Therion's very streetwise, and it you know they're having a conversation, and then it twigs, "You're teasing me, aren't you?" And he's like, "Ha ha ha." And it, so it it does bring in the characters uh, yeah. a little bit. There's um, oh one of the other characters. I think it th- is it Therion that takes the piss out of Cyrus, and he that sounds about right. Yeah, it's, it's not hard know, he to take the piss out of Cyrus. Ex- yeah, you know he calls him a pompous blowhard, and he says, "Well, actually, no, I'm an intellectual pompous blowhard." And he's, <laughs> Yeah, allow me to give you a counterpoint. I rest my case. You know, it's yeah. So they're playing against comic relief in a lot of ways. Yes, yeah. So yeah, it's it's in there. You just need to play a little bit more. Um, There's a whole load of stuff in this, and it gives me hope. And it you know it keeps driving me to play more and more, so that I can see more of that as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Uh, I still enjoy it. I just need to play more of it. Yeah, I think we'll probably be talking about this when it comes to game of the year. Yeah, yeah. But we'll definitely uh, in the conversation. Yes, absolutely. So, moving swiftly on, Kieran, you have also been playing some. You've been playing Yakuza again, haven't you? Yeah, well, you know, it's that time <laughs> of the year. That time, that one of those two times the year, three times a year this year but two times a year where a Yakuza game comes out <laughs> and now I'm super into them so I need to play all of them um, yeah so Yakuza Kiwami 2 came out last week Yep. which is a remake of Yakuza 1, uh, Yakuza 2 in the Yakuza 6 engine so last year I talked about I should probably start this year because I took a while to finish it um, I talked about Yakuza Kiwami which was the remake of one when the Yakuza Zero engine. So six when it came out earlier this year had like a whole new engine. It was the first PS4 game. Like Zero and Kiwami came out on the PS3 in Japan. Um so they had this fully upgraded engine where everything looks real pretty and the animates real nice and there's physics everywhere and you know, it's it's really like a really powerful engine basically. And Kiwami 2 is them going, hey, we took everything we did with 6 and we're applying it to Yakuza 2, which for a lot of people, like, for most people I talked to before Zero came out, 
or even after Zero came out when they were talking about like their favorite Yakuza games, uh-huh. almost all of them said two. Like everyone is always just like Yakuza Two is where it's at. That was the best Yakuza game, right? Um, so I've enjoyed it so far. Uh, I'm not super far into it, but um, the this one feels a lot more like an actual. Um, it feels a lot more, a lot closer to Yakuza Zero and Six than Kiwami did. Because I don't even remember, but when Kiwami came out, one of my issues with it was that. The pacing wise and like mission structure and stuff like that yes if you, you could tell older, it was originally ps2 was, yeah. game yeah yeah um this one doesn't really feel like that it just feels like those other games but you know with a different story and with more elaborate stuff um in a lot of ways it actually feels like more complex because the other issue that kiwami had was that it built off of yakuza zero but it felt a lot shallower because it was still basically trying to primarily be a remake of one um kiwami 2 felt like they learned from that and so instead they were like we took the stuff that we did in six and we expanded on it and also it's a remake of two rather than just it's a remake of two and me um so a lot of things like the combat has way more stuff in it than it did in six like there's more finishing moves there's um they changed Lots of little things, which now, given I've played like a handful of these games in relatively short succession, um, one there's lots of little things like your triangle attack in that game is like your heavy attack. And it's like a really simple brawler move where squares are your light attack, triangle is your heavy attack, circles a grab, and mm-hmm. if you ran and pressed triangle in the previous games, uh, you did a kind of like jump kick kind of thing. Right. You don't have that anymore. Instead, you can hold triangle to do a charge, and you'll get these. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of funny because it's very clearly that just them going, "Hey, by the way, our new engine can do particle effects." Because you hold it, and then you just get all these like crazy particles swirling around you, which makes no sense. Um, but it's really good and looks really nice. And if you hold it and do that charge, then then when you run, you do, uh, kind of jump attack, and or if you're standing, you do just like a drop kick that causes you to fall onto the ground afterwards because you did a drop kick so it's like way slower but does tons of damage and there's things like that that's just it changes up how you do combat in that game which is important because it is a you know primarily a brawler it's primarily your punching dudes yeah um but yeah i'm enjoying it so far it seems like i mean it is another one of those games uh i'm enjoying the story so far but i'm still very early in it so i don't know how it you know is going to pick up and where it's going to go. Um, they've pulled in stuff that they added from Six, so they had things like the clan creator in Six. Right. Which was, you know, you're building up your own clan in the Yakuza and uh, train up a bunch of dudes. And it was basically a really, really simple RTS. Like, you just you recruited people to it and then you had units that you could send out to fight people. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of one of the nice things in it is in Yakuza 6 uh, the way it worked was you were doing all these kind of real-time strategy missions to reclaim territory from another Yakuza clan and right. that Yakuza clan was run by I think it was five New Japan New Japan pro wrestlers um, right, like okay. they had got the license for the those people 
had like facial scanned them, got them to voice act and stuff like that. Um, they never like they don't they they have the same names I'm pretty sure as well, but they you know never say anything about being wrestlers. They're just like no, we're in the Yakuza, we're doing we're, we're the bad guys. <laughs> but it's like very clear. It's like they're walking around in like the wrestling gear, and it's like you're that wrestler, and like no, I'm just fine, dude. Sweet on, but um. <laughs> And Yakuza Kiwami 2 has basically the same thing, but all of them are older New Japan pro wrestlers, like ones that would have right. been re- relevant when Yakuza 2 came out. Ah. Uh, which I think is just a really actually... nice little touch. Yeah. Um, and they've thought that stuff through for like lots of things. So like one of the things that so the Yakuza games in a lot of ways are like spiritual successors to the Shenmue games, and that you have this kind of not massive but like very detailed open world that you can wander around and go into different buildings and see things and one of the things they've always had is arcades with arcade machines in them yes and again yakuza 6 had a fully playable version of even had online multiplayer version of uh, virtua fighter 5 and puyo puyo which was very clearly just puyo puyo tetris like it was all the same ui and stuff like that but they took right. the tetris bit out which is like, <laughs> seems, I don't know if that's a real, I don't know if there is a real arcade version of Puyo Puyo that is that, and, or if they put this work in for Yakuza 6. Right, um, okay. But Kiwami 2 has arcade games that would have been more relevant at the time. So it has, oh, right, okay. instead of Virtua Fighter 5, it has Virtua Fighter 2. And it has <laughs> uh, Virtual On. Wow. Um, which is neat. Um, and Zero had the same thing because Zero was set in the eighties, and so Zero had like Outrun and um, like a bunch of old arcade games in it, which was pretty great. So it's nice little touches like that that I just really like about these games. Um, and I'm surprised I'm not feeling like burnt out on this series because this is the fourth one of these I've played in two years. Yes, but still feels I think I... good. I was going to say, I think that says something for the series that you're not feeling burnt out on it yet. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm going to play through the rest of that. And then there's another one coming out in like a month. Oh, God. Because they did a I... Fist of the North Star one. Ah, right, okay. That is basically, like it's not called Yakuza, but it's made by the same team. And uh, I forget the name... Is it Kinshiro? This is the main guy from Fist of the North Star. Um, oh, I'm not. I can't remember. I don't know. Um, he's voiced by the same guy as Kiryu. Like it's it's just they're like, it's basically just a Yakuza game, but set in this anime world. And I think that'll be. I mean, it'll be a very similar game because it's the same engine, same combat, and stuff like that. But uh-huh. it's not going to be the same city in Japan as all of these games are set in because it's you know. Fist of the North Star is an anime thing that'll be set in a post-apocalyptic place. Hopefully, it'd be kind of funny if it's a post-apocalyptic version of the city from Yakuza, but I doubt it is. <laughs> um, there's a demo of that up on PSN, actually, that I meant to play, but I've not had a chance yet. But yeah, Yakuza Kiwami 2. It's really good so far, but I'm still early enough in it that I don't have a massive amount to talk about on it, even though I've been ranting about Yakuza in general now for a bit. But yes, yeah, yeah. Um, you've been playing something called Behind the Screen. Oh God, yes. What's that? 
I mean, so, when something starts with "Oh God, yes," that usually means you'd love it. Well, no. <laughs> so occasionally, what will happen when you know we we created Glitch Free Gaming years and years ago, but then we we created the website and mm-hmm. we you know we got the web hosting, which meant we could have email addresses you know so we've got the uh podcast at glitchrygaming.com and each of the message paul about the web hosting because if that comes <laughs> off the same card as our podcast hosting then we might have an issue uh no <laughs> i no Are that you comes off i pay for that yeah okay so, all right i wasn't I, sure which card whose card that was coming off of no <sighs> i pay inside baseball for, for listeners okay <laughs> i still pay for that one every month but right. yeah so we've uh you know, we created our own uh, email addresses, so each of the hosts have got one. We've got one for general inquiries, inquiries at glitchrygaming.com. And mm-hmm. occasionally we'll get unsolicited games. You know, mm-hmm. somebody says, this game's coming out, here's a code. Um, and this is what happened. So we got an email from the developer of this game, and the it's... Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but it's either Japanese, it's Asian, uh, you know, so it's either uh, from Japan or Taiwan. I'm not too sure which. Yeah. And it, basically, the guy says, you know, here's my game behind the screen. Here's a a code for it. Would you please play it? And you can, you know, review it and talk about it fair enough and i went and i had a look at what it was and i had a look on the store uh the listing and i thought oh fuck i need to tr- i need to see what this mm-hmm. is so i i played it it's one of the weirdest things you're ever going to see in your life um the game's made with unity so yeah mm-hmm. yay for unity very cool and but it's the weirdest thing the game starts with uh an old taiwanese television news show and it's a guy telling you that uh there was a man was stabbed to death uh by his son the you know um and the suspect was he was arrested and he may be suffering from mental problems Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, the bo- the the father's body was covered in multiple stab wounds, uh, so he was attacked in a frenzied attack before the the blow the fatal blow was handed down to him. That's the beginning of the game. That's a pretty dark start. Yeah, uh, but then it moves into this. The company is based in Taiwan. So. The all oh, right, okay. It's eighteen so, game. Ah. Uh, Right. So the the game then goes into you're playing from the standpoint it looks like you're into the psyche of this person. Mm-hmm. And it starts with them at a kindergarten at school. And you're getting a story about it looks like the guy when he's in kindergarten his father was fucking the teacher fooling around huh. with the teacher and it's comes you know this is kind of the story is kids talking and things like that and the first part of the game is it's a bit like a a tile a tile playing game 
except yeah. you're trying to rearrange the tiles except it's not tiles it's kids sleeping on different size blankets <laughs> and you're you're pulling the blankets in various areas so that you can then get to the goal okay. uh, you you need to get a key from one part and then take that key and place it in another part and then you get onto the next level and there's more sh weird story that happens in between uh then the next part is uh you're into a different part of the school and you're trying to sneak through the teachers that are patrolling so it takes on this like metal gear solid-esque kind of sneaking game mm -hmm. and you you know uh there's loads of stuffed toys that you can dive into and hide but sometimes there's a squeaky toy in there so when you jump into it, it squeaks and it makes noise so you need to make sure when it makes the noise the teachers are far enough away from it so they don't hear it and come back okay yeah um you're sounding about it perplexed as yeah, i would sounds, expect this is the thing it sounds interesting it just sounds weird um... yeah it is completely batshit crazy it is one of the weirdest things yeah. <laughs> i it's one of those that's like you know do you would you recommend that people play it and it's like i wouldn't recommend you know i'm not going to say to you it's if you're in if you're in a very specific mood for weird taiwanese narrative driven games yeah maybe. so i'm going to read the, the the blurb when you go to the the, the nintendo switch store and you have a look at it and it says oh, is this on the, the switch as well yes yeah i thought this was so, gonna be a pc because i only saw no. like, when i googled it trying to find out who made it the only thing that came up for it like there's no reviews on metacritic or anything the only thing that came up for it was a rock paper shotgun article where the writer of it uh which who i should really credit but i already closed it so i'm sorry about that um basically seemed kind of perplexed as you like they added it to like they did they do a list of kind of interesting games yeah like they, they call it unknown pleasures basically it's indie games from uh like you know not america or basically non-english speaking yeah. places um and they mentioned it there and the last paragraph of their thing just says it's a very strange game and the translation's kind of bad <laughs> and there's like yes yeah the tran the translation is bad um so it's a says behind the screen is a suspense puzzle action game set in Taiwan of an age when the internet was still not common, tracing the life of a certain murderer and the the a certain murderer is in inverted commas seeking the truth which has been bent and co can no longer be distinguished. Why did the young man who got arrested as his father's murderer had such an ending? Looking back, to, looking back at his childhood, boyhood, and to the moments leading up to the incident, the player will face truth and conflict. <laughs> this is—I mean, it's, it's bizarre, but I, I'm actually surprised that translation wasn't as bad as I expected it to be. <laughs> We've read yeah. watched translations of things from the oh, Switch God. store on this podcast. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm not too sure how much it is because um, obviously I can't price now that I, I have yeah. a copy of it. I might look up. It sounds interesting. Like it, Yeah, it doesn't it sound is. like something that you would recommend but... No, no. If you're interested um, in foreign indie games which is you know, different. Yeah, I... Make games differently. It's... Yeah, so I 
I was visiting the, our assistant editor Ben, and we had you know there was uh, myself and Ben and well, uh, the wives and uh, Stephen, who's been on the the, the podcast. Uh, well, he's been on you know he does our board game stuff. He was with us at uh, UK Games yeah. Expo, so I. I showed them they seen the little icon in the switch and went, what's that? I went, oh, I need to show you this. And it was like, I'm glad you showed me that, but I'm not going to buy it. That is mm-hmm. fucking weird. Um, so I, I probably... I'll, it. It's eight I'll pounds, probably, nine pounds. It seems like something that I like. Um, I think you would. It's yeah. it's mental. It's, I love it's the art style. The art style is really yeah. nice. That and was one like of the, the thi- different kind of little mini game, or not necessarily mini games, but the different kind of genre sections of it seem to all have yes. slightly different art styles. Yes, yeah. Like, there's a kind and of, that... it seems like a fighting gamey one that's just yep. super hyper-detailed. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. great. It's... It was kind of the thing that drew me to it. Style is quite unsettling. Yeah. Um, And then it was all these different, you know, just from the screenshots and things, and it was like, you know what? I will um I'll gladly play this and uh, let you guys know. Alright, so I think <laughs> a recommendation will be this. If you want something really weird and you don't mind spending the eight pound that it is, mm-hmm. check it out. <laughs> it's, it is it is batshit crazy, it's mental. Um and I still don't know what I think about it. <laughs> they have a they have a second game. The developer has a second game on the, or maybe it's publisher has on the Switch store. Oh uh, right, okay. Which I was slightly worried about when I like went onto the page for it because it's called Defoliation, and then like one of the first screenshots is of a sleeping anime girl, and I was like, okay, this could go very poorly. Uh, but it seems to just be a similar kind of game, like it's a dark, narrative-driven thing with some mini. Oh. Yeah, and yeah, but it looks like it's um Yeah, it looks like it's Oh, what was the game? The 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 kind of escape room games that you liked? With the oh, stories? Um uh fuck like Oh my god, what are the names of those? I'm blanking on them. The first one's just called nine nine nine. Yes. Uh but I forget the name of the series. Uh, or the one I even liked because I didn't like. I liked nine nine nine, but I liked the second one the most. Yeah, but yeah, it, it, yes, it reminds me of that. Virtue's last reward. Virtue's last reward. That's it. Yeah, it kind of reminds me. Yeah, I can see but... that. <laughs> also, like the artwork for it, honestly, just I think it's just the colors of it, it reminds me of the uh, CS Files box. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just yeah. something about it. It does. Uh... Um, but yeah, behind the screen. Definitely check it out. It's, <laughs> look at if, it. Look at it, yes. Look at it, and if you think that looks completely bonkers, it is. <laughs> and, yeah, I still don't know what I think of it. I think I need to play it again and play some more, but it is very, very bizarre. Yeah, it seems cool. Yeah. Cool. So, let's see. What else have we got on the agenda as well uh, I think I need a new iPad because uh, my iPad doesn't last <laughs> sleep mode a lot more easier uh, so speaking of things on the Switch you have been playing Into the Breach I have 
Uh, so Into the Breach is a game I talked about earlier this year. Um, yes. There's another thing that will probably come up towards Game of the Year at the end of this year. Um, yeah. Into the Breach is a turn-based strategy game, roguelike kind of. Um, it looks kind of a lot like Advance Wars. Doesn't really yeah. play a lot like Advance Wars, but it looks like it. Um, but the basic gist of it is alien bugs are coming out of the ground and you need to stop them from murdering everyone. You don't necessarily need to murder all of them. You need to stop them you... from murdering everyone. Yes, you just need to last a certain length of time yeah. sometimes. Usually, well. it's, yeah. usually it's like five turns or something. Yeah. Um, but then the whole kind of like the twist on it that they use that's really good is the order of movement basically uh, every turn the bugs will move first and then they will uh, they, they telegraph will... what they're going to do yeah yeah. they telegraph their attack and then you can move and attack and almost all of your attacks at least with the starting group of mechs has some kind of knockback yeah. so you'll basically be moving them and the bugs will continue to attack where they have telegraphed their attacking so if they attacked one space to the left they will attack one space to the left, even though that is now a different square because you've knocked them somewhere else. Um, or, you know, if they hit in a straight line until it touches something, then if you stand in front of them, they'll block it. Or if you move them out of the way, they'll hit something else. You can move bugs in front of other bugs so they attack each other and do damage. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of basically a puzzle game, even though it looks like a strategy game and kind of you know like it looks like advance wars and it looks like it's trying to be advance wars but then the moment you start playing it you're like oh no this is this is a puzzle game this is each turn is me figuring out a solution to this puzzle it's not me finding a way to murder all these bugs yes and it's really good i talked about it a bunch at the start of the year um the switch port is a really good port i think it's only on the switch I mean, Switch and PC, obviously, but I think like they announced it during Nintendo uh, Indies right. last I'm, week. I'm not too sure. Um, yeah. And then they just dropped it at the time. They were like, oh yeah, here's a Indies stream and also Into the Breaches out. And it's like, okay, awesome. Um, uh, and also, if people don't know, it's from the FTL developers. So that's... Yes. Like, that, if you didn't already... If you weren't already interested in it, these guys made FTL. I might like this more than FTL, and I really liked FTL, so you did, yeah. I really loved FTL. I buy that on Switch, um, but yeah, they it's it's really good. The Switch port seems great. I've not had any technical issues with it, except weirdly, it takes a really long time to load up. Like initially, yes, yeah. Like, you just have I a bought... black screen for like seconds. It's weird. I thought yeah. it was broken. Same here. <laughs> um. And weirdly, I've not seen anyone else mention it. Like, everyone else I've seen mention it is like, oh man, this is great. The loading screen is really short and stuff like that. I'm like, except the first one, right? I assume it's just people yeah. that have, like, booted up the game once and not turned it off at any point. Yeah. And so they yeah. haven't realized that actually it takes a good, like, 10 seconds to boot up to start with, which is weird. I don't think I've played any other Switch game that has done that. Um, but, but that's a relatively minor inconvenience. Um, other than that, like it runs perfectly. I've not encountered any issues with it. The controls are really good. Uh, uh-huh. I didn't check, but I don't think it has touchscreen controls, which is maybe a bit of a missed opportunity. Right. You know, it was a PC game originally. Uh-huh. 
Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, and I've also played a shitload of it on PC already before. Um, I know you picked up as well. Have you played much of it? No, I haven't. It's one of the things I haven't played a lot of. I played through the... Is it the two tutorial missions, I think it was? Yeah, I think there's two. Yeah, and then... I think I picked it up when I was on holiday family over and things, so Mm -hmm. it was... I played a little bit of it, and it was like, right, this is right up my street, but I'm going to have to turn it off now because we were going out and... I would have been useless for the rest of the holiday as well. So, but yeah, I so I need to play more of it. But yeah, yeah um, that's fair. Cool. Yeah, it's yeah. So we'll we'll probably talk about more of that in the future. Yeah, um, but that if nothing else, that port's really good. So people should pick it up if you had any interest in that game before, but didn't want to play it right. just on PC. It was such a weird way to launch that game because it came out on just the PC. Like, not even, like, Mac and Linux or anything. It was like, hey, we made this game for the PC and nothing else. Which, I mean, I assume probably paid off for them, but... Yeah. Yeah. It's a good version on Switch. Um, so we have good versions of games on Switch. How is the Switch port of Mini Metro? Yeah, so... Just a little background with Mini Metro. Many, many moons ago now the, uh, when I was doing the assistant editor stuff for Calm mm-hmm. Down Tom I was scrolling through one of the industry things that we got and you know you'd have a look and see what was coming out and read announcements and press kits and things and there was this guy that had created this thing and it was it wasn't even finished yet it was kind of like in beta but he was offering it out for review and stuff called Mini Metro and it was, you know, you're controlling the Metro. The game we reviewed, the copy that we reviewed didn't have any music. So it was just this game and it had no music yet. It had no opening titles or anything. The game just, uh, it it said mini Metro and then it went straight into the game, a bit like it does now. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, now it kind of flows into it and things, and it tells yeah. you how and to play. I've added a bunch of other stuff around it as well. Yeah, like, added, uh, like daily challenges and stuff like that to it. Yes, yeah. None of that was there in the version we played, and I, it was Ben that actually reviewed it. I, so I'd got the copy, and he had kindly given us two cop, uh, two keys. So mm-hmm. Ben had got it, and then I'd played it as well and thought it was great. So that was the reason that I picked it up for the Switch. It is really good on the Switch. It's, I imagine it, it plays similar to how it plays on tablet and phone, which is something I never got it on. Yeah, I think I got it on phone. On the touch, uh, with the touch screen, brilliant. Mm-hmm. It works really, really well. Uh, when you're playing it, it, you know, if you've got it on the TV, then you're using the controllers. It's okay it's functional but it feels a little clunky yeah and it, it's nothing to do with the you know the way that it's programmed it's programmed the best way that it can be so for example when you start the game you've got like a little cursor and you can move so most the uh, levels start you know you've got three stations and you drag lines between them mm-hmm. uh you know you create your your first line 
And you what you do... explain what this game is. You're basically making subway rail maps. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure everyone yes, probably so you... knows because this game's been out forever. But yes, in case you didn't, it's a puzzle game where you're making <laughs> subway rail maps. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, you've got your cursor, and you would, uh, you know, you click it. So you push down, click on a station where you want, and then drag the the railway line where you need it to be. Once you've finished it, you click again, and then that's it. You've completed the line. Mm-hmm. That's that is a little bit clunky, um, and it's yeah, it's just it's more organic on the screen. You know, because yeah, you're, you're touching yeah. what you want and dragging, and you can move things, and it's quite easy. But other than that, I think that's the only, the only thing that I would say about it is play it on a touchscreen. It works a lot better, and the touchscreen obviously it works the same as it, the mouse did on the PC version. Yeah. Uh, in terms of what they had. Or what they've added to it, you've got different maps. Mm-hmm. So when you're playing, you can play in London, you can play in Paris. You know, they've basically taken a whole load of famous cities that have the railroads, uh, railroads, the subways, yeah, <laughs> the metro systems, and yeah, you can pick whichever one you fancy, and then off you go. There's a couple of ways to play the game as well. So there is normal. So that's the just the bog standard way. And what you're doing is you're you're creating the lines in each of the subway stations and putting different train lines in there. And you're trying not to let your subway stations overcrowd. If they get too crowded, there's like a little timer that happens. And once that timer runs out, then that's it. The game's over. It's finished. You are going to fail. That's the you know. It does say that you you know you're running a subway system that is going to fail on you, and you're basically just trying to see how long you can last and yeah. how many people you can get to use it. It is difficult. Oh, it is. It's like shockingly unforgiving for a game that yeah. looks so cutesy, so yes. simple. And you yep. start playing it, and it's like, oh no! It's like it's it's one of those metro maps. It's just you know, bright colored lines and simple shapes. And it's like this seems cute and easy to get into, and it's like it is. Yes, but it's going to yeah. fuck you up. <laughs> yeah, bad. So they've added from when I played it last. They've uh, they've now added an endless mode. Mm-hmm. So basically, the stations do not overcrowd, and you're now building for efficiency. You can just carry on oh, and try cool. you know see how long and how how your map's going to end up looking so that's yeah. pretty cool and then they've got an extreme mode and the the extreme mode the the overcrowding is back if it overcrowds the game finishes and also this time the tracks that you lay are permanent so in the normal mode when you're uh, placing your tracks, it's possible to pick up a certain point of the track and extend it and maybe get it into, you know, to run past a new station that's just appeared. Or, you know, you can fiddle around with the track a little bit. You can backtrack and, you know, take it away from one station so that you can go via another station and get it to connect. So, 
your tracks are quite fluid. You can alter them and change them. In extreme, yeah. you can't. You lay it down, it's done. Um, so, yeah, they've put quite a lot into it. And it's £6.80, I think it is, on the on the store. That's not bad. That's like, I think I was it's a fiver on the uh, iOS store. Like yeah, a little bit more. Uh, I'm end up picking it up. Um, cause I yeah, bought it on I've... phones, but I bought it on the Android store, and I don't use an Android right. phone anymore, so I just don't have a copy of it now. Um, yeah, it's uh, funnily enough, I was playing it today, and I was playing it on the train on the way home. <laughs> so <laughs> a little I bit think meta. That with all the cities and stuff that they've added to it, they need to add a Glasgow one for the Glasgow subway. <laughs> the hardest of all of them people don't know the Glasgow subway is just a circle it's yes. the simplest subway you will see it's literally just a circle there is, is it, yes there's two there's, lines there's and two lines same. and they're just the same going in opposite directions from each other yes <laughs> Um, uh, I believe it's uh, is it, it it's got a couple of distinctions as well. I think it's it's the only subway that's completely underground. It's mm-hmm. uh, also the most efficient because it's a fucking circle. One. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it, it's color, uh, the color of the cars and the color of uh, quite a load of the station is orange, and it got the nickname of the Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Uh, years and years ago but yeah so they've got the different maps in here as well and they're locked until you get a certain score on the previous map and then you can play so they've got London, Paris, New York Berlin, Melbourne Hong Kong, Osaka, Stockholm St. Petersburg, Montreal, San Francisco Sao Paulo, Seoul Washington, Singapore, Cairo yeah there's plenty of them (laughs) so it's definitely worth the money yeah, definitely. I might pick it up. Um, not that I need more puzzle games on my Switch, but... Uh, yeah. It's... It's weird. It's, you know, how you were saying it can it will fry your brain and it's difficult and it's a horrible game despite the way that it looks. It can also be calming for about five minutes and then it goes into complete mayhem. So it's... I bet that, that endless I... mode could be quite calming knowing that you can't ever actually lose it. Yeah, I suppose I need to try that. Yeah, because yeah. that's like how I like to play city builders a lot of time. Is just stick on the endless mode and then just build out, and things will go wrong. Parts of my city will burn down, but because it's endless, a lot of time I'll just be like, "Well, I'll just demolish this whole section of my city and rebuild it because I fucked up before." <laughs> Especially with say Skylines, because say Skylines was built by the guys that made those games that were all about traffic flow, and so yes, yeah. So it's going a lot of time you get far into the game and be like, alright, well this traffic's fucked. Whoops. Yeah. And Metro cool. is just that. So <laughs> it's only traffic. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of puzzle games and things, you have been playing Prison Architect again. Yeah, that's another one that's I've been playing in endless mode on. Um, right. So hey uh, have you been did you pick up the new Switch version? I didn't. I'm just playing it on PC. Um, Alright, okay. I probably will pick up this Switch version at some point. It was just a bit pricey for me this month, given I'm buying like Spider-Man and stuff. Right. 
but I started playing again on PC. Um, I started up. They've changed that game a lot since the last time I played it, which they are constantly updating that game and adding more stuff to it. Uh, but one of the things they added relatively recently is um, women prisons. Um, so you can just have a prison that is solely for you know female convicts, and I didn't realize that would actually change much in the game. I assumed right. it was just kind of like a palette swap for you know to change out the sprites of all the the prisoners from male to female. What I didn't realize is uh, female prisoners can have children, and so if they have a child, if they have a baby, they have to be. They have to be given their own cells and they have to be in a separate block from the rest of the female prisoners and they need to be bigger cells that have cribs in them and they will also not eat in the canteen with everyone else. They have to go into a nursery canteen where there's cribs for the kids and so (laughs) that ended up fucking up my original plans because I ran out of money building all these cells and then there was like three people standing outside unable to come into my prison. These prisoners chained up literally at the gate unable to come right. in because I didn't have cells for them and I was really confused I was like what the fuck is going on uh, <laughs> and then I had to sell a bunch of stuff and make money so I could build cells for these prisoners that had babies with them um, right. other than that though it is basically just the same prison architect um, the, the women uh, prisoners don't seem to really make much difference beyond that part of it so you need to build an additional canteen you need to build additional cells but other than that um they all seem to react pretty much the same as their other, the other prisoners do right. uh, so it was just a case of me playing this endless mode and building up a, a prison for the first time in ages because i've not played it in forever and that game's still great just in terms of as a as that almost kind of so the reason i started playing it is because uh two point hospital just came out uh, right. which is that kind of is the theme hospital spiritual successor from the guys that made theme hospital and I really wanted to play that and then didn't want to spend money on that and I was like prison architect was kind of theme hospital ish but with a prison I'll play that <laughs> and that game's still great so I definitely recommend if you've somehow not played prison architect yet it's out on everything like literally everything at this point Yes, which yeah. was kind of the last thing it wasn't on. Um, and I'm sure those ports are all good. It's just a really good, relatively simple, um, like business building game where you're building this, you're building a prison, and you can run it in several different ways. You can run it as a business and put everyone to work, so they're making money for your prison. It's super profitable. Um, you know the American way, or yes. You could go for a more kind of uh, like European or a more kind of Nordic way, I guess, of having prisons that are much nicer. And you invest a bunch of money giving people nice cells and nice, you know, uh, I mean, it's still a prison, but, you know, nice cells and re-education efforts and rehabilitation efforts. And then your, you know, re-offending rates are going to be really low because you're teaching these people how to not be criminals anymore and then let them out in the world to be functioning members of society or you'd be the American one and be like well if I just force them to do a bunch of essentially slave labour for a while 
They'll probably go out and re-offend, but then they can come back and make me more money, so that's fine. That works. <laughs> and it's all done with this, you know, shiny, like, uh, cheery, cartoony look on it, which is incredibly grim when you realize that, you know, it's all cheery and bright and you're making money off these cartoony prisoners, haha, and then you're like, no, this is how the American prison system works. <laughs> like, it's been said before, but, you know, America never got rid of slave labor, they just moved it into prisons. <laughs> you know? And it's like, well, but it's cartoons, so it's fine. Don't think about it too much. <laughs> um, but that game's great. Uh, I really recommend it for anyone that's looking for that kind of game. I assume that the Switch version is good. Um, I will probably pick up at some point. But it's 25 quid, and that's quite a lot for a game that came out a while ago. Like, there's a crap load of content in it, but... Right. Yeah, like, there's a full... They've added, like, a full story mode since last time I played it, but I've not... I didn't play any of that. I just went into the endless mode, and was like, this'll do. Um... But yeah, there's like a full story mode now, so that could be interesting. And they added in the PC version, it's just a mod just now, but I believe the Switch version it's either is in it or will be in it. They added like an escape mode. Right. Which is basically like, do you remember the escapists? The one that yes. came out like, you know, not that long ago and looked a lot like Prison Architect. Um yeah. it's basically that. There it seems like the devs of that were like, motherfuckers. You made a game about escaping prisons that looks like our game. How did you do that? We're doing that. <laughs> so, I haven't messed about that too much either, but I'm going to give that a shot as well. Um, but yeah, Prison Architect. It's fun if you don't think about it too much. <laughs> don't don't think about how dark it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you've been playing a city builder as well, or I think it's a city builder. Um called Subara City? Yes. Yeah, so this is... Sort of City Builder. Sort of City Builder. It is a... a tile-matching game. Okay. So it's one of those... You know where you get the the tiles and they're all done in little blocks? So a bit like uh, Tetraminos. Yeah. or tetronomos and what you're doing is you you'd click on it and it all falls into one mm-hmm. and then it allows the cube to you know fill up with other ones so you'll be a little bit like the match three yeah and what you're trying to yeah you're you know you're trying to see how far you can get in it that's what this is except in this case the tiles are there's it starts off with four different colors and each yeah. tile has got like an element of a city or, you know, a suburb. There may be a little man, uh, there'll be some dog, a little dog or a house or a tree or something. And what you do is when you click on one of these to, you know, shrink them all into one, if they're connecting, if they're touching, you can touch on one and it shrinks it all into one and it will go up in level. So, you know, it might turn into like a level four mansion. Yeah. And what you want to do is you want to do this with all the blocks and level up, uh, you know, each of the colors to level 10. Once mm-hmm. you get to level 10, that's as high as it can go. You get, a, it looks like a little office block. 
And once you get enough of the level 10s together, um, there are they have a neutral color. So you, once you get to level 10 of green, the green becomes gray. It's a neutral color. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything more with it. And it basically sits there and it blocks up your, you know, your, your grid. Yeah. Uh, okay. You can't do anything with it. Once you get enough, uh, more than two, uh, well, yeah, you get two or more level tens together. You can combine them, and if you combine two level tens, it becomes a level eleven. You combine three level tens, it becomes a level twelve, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. And they become different buildings. What you want to do is, you know, you'll get three level tens together and make a level twelve. Every time you get one of these blocks and turn them into, you know, level them up, it increases the population of your city. And the population is the score that you're going for. Um, every time you upgrade one of these blocks or, you know, shrink them down, it adds a year onto your your city's existence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um you also get something called mayoral marks. Uh, I think that's what they call them. Yeah, it's a mayor mark. So you, and what you can do is you can delete a block from your grid. So sometimes you know you might you you might have a rogue block there where you can't match anything with it. So, but if you deleted it, everything would fall down, and you'd have some green blocks you can match together with, and then some brown blocks. And things like that. You're just getting rid of that rogue element. Yeah. You start off the game with two mayor marks. You can get more of them by uh, building bigger cities, and also by for every 100 years that you manage to last, you get a, an, another block, another mayor mark, so you can okay. delete your rogue block. That's it. Very simple game. Yeah, very simple relaxing. Game. Um, on sale on the Switch for four pound something. This is another game that sounds like something I should pick up. You will like it. Very like relaxing. Also. Yeah, really cool. I, I, I didn't think I was going to spend as much time playing it as I have. Yeah. And I think I have spent. Uh, I'm looking to see if it tells me. No, it uh, tells me that I first. Yeah, I doesn't show stuff until after a few weeks or a couple weeks. Yeah, I first played it nine days ago, and I've spent quite a lot of time on it. It's one of those that you won't last. You'll probably get the first time you play it, you know, twenty or thirty turns, so twenty or thirty years out of it, and then you know it starts to click. It's a bit like the old Tetris thing. Once you've played it a couple of times, it clicks, and then you learn how to play the game, and just simple i've got a funny feeling this is probably a mobile game before it became a switch game it does look like it yeah it has that i think just the way that the ui is where like it's very minimal yeah yeah it's minimalist as well it's yeah it's, it's very simple it's been the game has been and i don't mean this in a bad way the game's been made very cheaply yeah um i mean but, it's literally cheap so Yes, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I really like it. Uh, four quid is probably a little bit of a premium, but, you know, at the moment it's the Switch, so you are, you know, you're, you're paying for the, the privilege of having the Switch and having the games at the moment, so they, they can sell these things at a bit of a premium. 
but definitely check it out. Uh, just a, a fun fun little game and if you do like city builders and you fancy quite light you know and it's just got a little bit of the city element to it yeah it's good fun it's got one of those it's got that hook to it where you finish it and you go oh i'm gonna try it again to see how well uh, i can do and that's it so yeah definitely check it out kieran you have been playing i think it's on the switch oh you've been playing minute Yes, a uh, minute, uh, which I want to say Nathan talked about this on the podcast back when I it think first he... came out on PC. Yeah. Because I think that was when Nathan first upgraded his PC into like a super high-end gaming PC and all he played on it was Minute. Yes. Which is an 8-bit game that is black and white. Um, Minute's really weird and cool um, and also really short. So it's Minute is a it's Zelda-ish in terms of like it's got the kind of camera angle of the old Zelda games, the two D ones. And you yeah. eventually get a sword that basically just works like the ones in the I say eventually, you get it right at the start. You get a sword that works basically the same way as the ones from that. Um but the whole gimmick is it's kinda of like uh half minute hero where every uh end minute is a minute. Every six seconds you die. Like it's not even like half minute hero where half minute hero is like oh you you know you reset it's just like no you die and then you wake up again back in wherever your save point was. Yes. Your save point will be a house. And it's uh again it's like, like most of the games we've talked about in this show today, kind of a puzzle game. Um, yeah. Kind of an adventure game. You're going through and each life basically you're doing something to set up the thing for the next life and that you're solving a puzzle. So you will talk to someone and they'll be like, Oh, there's crabs outside, can you kill them all? And if you kill five crabs and go back, he'll give you an item. And odds are that will use up one of your lives. Like it'll take enough time to do all that that you'll probably die. But you'll keep the item when you come back. So then you'll be able to use that item to I think that one gives you the ability to push blocks. And then you can push blocks to get to another area, to get another item. And do other things and it's basically a sequence of those you're doing a thing to get a new item dying using that new item to go somewhere else to get another item dying and then repeating over and over until eventually you can complete the story um i really liked it the writing's really good it's got a very like charming kind of funny sense of humor to itself um mm-hmm. it plays really well like i never felt like it controlled poorly or anything like that like it's really good and there's a nice sense of exploration that I quite liked, even though you're limited by time the whole time. You know, you're wandering around and it's like literally a ticking clock in the corner and it's like, that's cool. And there's a handful yeah. of things in there that seem solely put in to cause you to waste your time and die. Like, there's a character that is an old man who just speaks super slowly. <laughs> and if you listen to him, if you listen to my band, he will tell you how to get like another item another treasure or a hidden one like there's a bunch of optional items and stuff like that in this game as well which i think is really good um encourages you to replay it and to explore more of the world which is really good and right. also and also allows them to add what are essentially red herrings without just being useless red herrings like you'll find optional items and you'll find you know things that you need to 100 percent the game but not to complete the main story and you'll find them by accident a lot of time just right. looking for the things you need to complete the story, which is good. Um, but things like that old man will sit and talk really slowly, and if you listen to him, 
which you probably need to get there real quick, like right at the start of one of your lives, and he will, you will die talking to him, no matter what, if you sit and <laughs> wait for him to finish. If you wait for him to finish, he'll tell you how to get an item. So, maybe it's worth it, if you want to try to get everything, which is kind of neat. Right. And there's a few things like that, and they just waste your time, which is really funny. Um, which I want to say that, that joke of having a character that speaks super slowly and wastes your entire life, I want to say Half Minute Hero had the exact same joke in it. Right. Because it must have. <laughs> it sound, it, yeah, it sounds like something that would have been yeah. in there. Well, man, Half Minute Hero though, right? Good game. Um, yes. Minute is also very good. It definitely scratches that same kind of edge. It's not, you know, JRPG like like Half Minute Hero is. It's more Zelda-ish, but it's really good. The writing's really funny. The world that they created is nonsense, but really good. Uh, so yeah, I definitely recommend it, but also it's about an hour 20 long. Alright, okay. Like, That's... it's super short. Right. Um, I didn't 100% it, to be fair. Like, if you, you went and found all the items, you'd probably push it up to about two hours, but... Right. Yeah. But you could play it again? You could do the whole thing again? Yeah, uh, you unlock yeah. you unlock a new game plus when you finish the game. I don't know if that changes things up dramatically or anything. Um, like I'm not sure what that actually adds, but right. Yeah, like the first time through at least, like that game. I, I imagine actually, even if you played through it again, it would probably be way shorter because you've you know you know where you're going for the whole thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, first time through, I think I at most was an hour and a half. I think it was closer to about an hour twenty. Um, but I would still probably recommend it because even though it's short, it it was a really good hour and a half. Like it was right, never okay. there was never a point in that hour and a half. I was like, why am I playing this game? And when I finished it, I wasn't like, oh, that was really short. That sucked. I was hoping for more. It was like, oh, that was great. That was really good. Yeah. Um, it also wasn't particularly expensive. Uh, I think it's went up in price on Switch now. By launch, it had a bit of a discount on it. Which All is right, I okay. Up. Um, but yeah, like if it's only a few quid or if it's on sale or something like that, I definitely highly recommend it. It's a really unique little thing. Like I know I've said like Half Minute Hero a couple of times, but it's only like Half Minute Hero in the the core concept of the you know you have to reset after X amount of time. Yes, part of it, but like the way it handles it is very different, and the kind of the puzzles that it makes are very unique and interesting, and that kind of exploration element of it is super interesting as well. Um, so yeah, I really recommend it. I also just really like the art style of it because it is just this really simple black and white two uh, D game, sprite based, kind of like um, Downwell. Um, right. Which I want to say uses the same engine as Downwell. Because there's another game coming out as well that's... Uh, I think I might have sent you a trailer for it. It's like a Metroidvania where you play as a cat in a mech suit. Um, that's also oh. black and white. Right. Um, Sounds familiar. That... I'm pretty sure I saw someone say that that uses the same engine as well. And I think all these black and white sprite-based games are basically all just using this one engine that's black and white, basically. Right. Um, but yeah, it looks really nice. I definitely recommend it for people. Um, the Switch version is really good. I bet the PC version is insanely cheap. This is the only thing I'd maybe qualify that with. Um, right, okay. 
usually for this kind of stuff I'd lean towards the Switch version. Like, I mean, I got this in the Switch version, but I think if I'd known how short it was, I probably would have just played it on PC. Right. Because the portability element is not really a big factor if you're finishing it in one sitting anyway. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it's neat. It's a smart thing, if nothing else. Um, um, yeah, it's what I've seen the trailer for it, and it was one that I thought, yeah, I need to pick up. But you've, you know, you telling me all about it, and it's like, I'm on board, I'm on board, and then it's like an hour and a half. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a don't. It may be. Don't spend more than a fiver on it, is what I'd say. Yeah. Um, which I don't know how much it costs just now on the Switch store, but uh, don't spend more than the fiver on it. It's... Yeah. But it's very good. <laughs> this is the other thing is if you want to spend more than the fiver on it, you will probably enjoy the hour and a half you have with it. And if yeah. you want to 100% it, it's probably at least two hours. So that's still cool. I think I'll probably go back and 100% it. Like, I enjoyed it enough that I will go and do all the. find all the hidden stuff and things like that. Right. Because it is. Well, it's fun. Yeah, depending on the. on the price, I'm actually trying to look now and have a look. I would probably suggest. if it is more than a fiver, I would probably say. wait, because Undertale's coming out soon. Yes, and they're not that similar, and the, they have the similarity of the both being indie games that are, uh, you know, simplistic art style and uh, isometric view. But Undertale has definitely got a lot more depth to it. I definitely say that. Um, yeah. So minute currently on the Switch store is seven pounds sixty four. That's it on special with fifteen percent off. Right. So it's going. It's going for nine pound. Yeah, I'd maybe wait for a maybe a slightly deeper sale on it. Um, but yeah, it's you know, however you want to spend your money. I have not regretted yes, spending yeah. the seven pounds I spent on it because that would have been price I got it at. Um, like I've enjoyed my time with it. Um, but yeah, it's cool. It's a neat thing. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, you've been playing another Switch game. I have, yes. Everything we play on these days is a Switch game. Um, yep. Blaze Blue Cross Tag. Yeah. So we spoke about it, I think, the last time on the podcast, and I've played a little bit more. I've finished the story mode. Uh, the story mode is broken into chunks for each of the different uh, games that are in it that are being crossed into the universe. And I finished the Blaze Blue story. I, you're not going to believe this, but the story for the Blaze Blue section is fucking mental. Um, it's a, um, is the Blaze Blue one the first story? It's the first story, yeah. Yeah, so I finished that one as well. Um, it's I've done bizarre. like half of the yeah. Persona it, one as well. But it feels... Once you play it, you think, right, okay, I know... You know, it, it gives you the end... Um, and it does feel a bit like arcade mode, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a there's a boss that you fight at one point. Um, what I did find interesting is that it, they've got the dialogue trees. Yeah. So, and those, they do have an effect because it show it does the game branches off in 
different things depending on how you react to some of the characters. Now, I don't know how it differs too much, whether it is, you know, it's just a dialogue choice and it changes the story a little bit or your interactions with those characters or it gives you an extra fight or anything like that as well. Yeah, I don't know. Um, because, yeah, it shows you like a percentage at the end to be like, here's all the stuff you saw. And it's like, OK, weird. I didn't realize that I guess those branches do different things. Um, yes. But yeah, I don't know if it's just dialogue change or if it actually does like what the I think I haven't played a Blaze Blue since the second one, but the first couple did the, you know, you do this thing and then it goes off onto this separate little storyline. Yes. Yeah. Now Noel's getting dressed up in costumes for some reason. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't ask too many questions. Yeah. So it's the story's a little bit batshit crazy. But it's, you know, it's Blaze Blue, so that's fine. Um, I did like the interactions with the the different characters. So the the persona, the the persona characters, I thought were quite cool mm-hmm. because the way that they've written them is they keep the same sensibilities. So the the persona ones tend to be they're quite grounded. Yeah. You know, and it's like, what is this mystery? What's happening? Oh no, I have to fight. Why do you make me fight people? This isn't fair. And meanwhile, the Blaze Blue guys are like, die, motherfucker! And very much, you bastard. Thunder Knight, Thunder Knight, and yes. characters as well. More so, are just like, all right, murdering time. And it's like, what? And they're like, it's murdering time. That's what we do. Yeah, we yes, yeah, but they, they they're like cold and calculated. Yeah. Hello, you have what I need prepare to die and it, it's <laughs> so you've got all these different characters and the you know their sensibilities and they just all clash in and then it's like right it's time to fight ah! and yeah it's good fun and i think that's it it's if you try and look for any more in this uh, cross tag game you're going to be sorely disappointed it's yeah. just a fun little fighting game i think what i paid for i think i paid 35 and that was all the content and things i'm quite happy with that i don't think i would have paid more though no i think that's a good price for it yeah um for the base game on its own i probably would have went maybe about 10 pound less than that you know so maybe about Mm -hmm. 25 pound um i'm not too sure what you can get it for at the moment on yeah i don't know i seem to remember not being that expensive though no i don't think it was i think when it came out it was 35 pound for the base game yeah but you can if you have a look around you can find on specials and it does look like it's one of those games that is going to get uh quite a few sales on the switch store as well or Mm -hmm. any of the other platforms that it's on as well yeah Cool. Is that as? Is there anything else we need to discuss in terms of video games? I think that's all the video games. I bought Hyper Light Drifter on the Switch, but I've not really played it much. Well, I bought a Monster Hunter Generations. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I haven't looked at it yet, so I bought it from. I had a credit for one of the stores that do the, you know, the, the buying and selling of stuff. So I'd traded stuff in, had some money left over. Seen that today when I was popping in by chance, and I thought I'll pick it up and I'll play it at one point. So that was pretty cool. I did buy, you were talking earlier about the 
the NES and the SNES minis. Mm-hmm. I did buy one. No, I didn't. No, I had uh, family. Like I said earlier on, we had family down visiting from overseas, and I took my, I took both of them, the the NES and the SNES, uh, just to, you know, to kind of relive the the golden olden days. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, what I did buy was another one of 8-bit those uh, little controllers. All right. Yeah, so I've uh, I've got the you know the, the wireless one, the wireless gamepad, and it's just the the SNES controllers, yeah. the old SNES controllers. Uh, it doesn't have rumble or anything in them, and you can pick them up quite cheaply for around about twenty odd pounds. And it comes with the the wireless device. You just plug it in and off it goes. Bought it and we never got a chance to play. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought I'd, I'd mention, you know, that uh, yes, we we still do buy things and don't use them here on Glitch Free Gaming. So, yeah. I have threatened the wife that she will, uh, at one point, sit and play some old classic games with me. Yeah, well, Nanny, so. that's one of the SNES one because. Oh, I don't know. It could be both. You would play some Contra or some Contra Three. <laughs> oh yeah, well I did put I I did download the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games. Oh, on the SNES or the NES? Uh, both actually. Both, because there's a okay. there's a fighting game on the SNES that is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one. I think it's yes. called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters, and it's just the Street Fighter reskin basically. And it's like <laughs> actually really good, right? Like it, it's weirdly good. Um, I'll, I'll need to have a look and see. Yeah, if it's I worth it's worth giving up. a shot. It's, yeah, it's a bizarre one because it is. Once you start playing it, you'll just be like, "Oh, this is Street Fighter." <laughs> Weird. <laughs> it's not quite as good as Street Fighter, but it's basically Street Fighter too. Yeah. But, yeah. Cool. Well, I, I think that's it. We've uh, got a couple of things on the board game side to talk about. Yeah. Well, not for me, but yeah. No. <laughs> so last weekend, yeah, last weekend, uh, myself and Stephen went down to cover the Tabletop Scotland uh, gaming event that they had. So they have started a little convention. It's in Perth, in Scotland. And yeah, it was quite good. It was the first one. That they had, uh, and they had it in quite a big, uh, like a, a sporting building where they normally have like curling, and uh, there's another side of the building where they've got uh, a big ice skating rink, and there's across the road there's big swimming pools. So you know, quite a big community centre yeah. thing. So quite a, a very big space, and they filled it out. It was very spacious. They had loads of areas where you could you know just gather and play games they had a library set up from the guys at dice roll cafe and a couple other people that had you know volunteered their library so you could go in and for a deposit you were able to check out games and check them out and then go and play them take them back and yeah so that was quite cool loads of gaming space for that they had and I'm going off the top of my head here because I don't have my notes with me, but they had, I think it was 27 vendors 
that they had there. Now, the vendors were various types. You had, you know, a couple of uh, game shops and they were selling some games. They had some demo areas. They had uh, a couple of people uh, were going on to Kickstarter. Their game was going on to Kickstarter, so they were showing their games off. Uh, Asmodee were there. They were doing uh, some demos. They were demoing the new Forbidden Sky, is it? So yeah. it's the yeah the latest okay. from Matt Leacock. Yeah, um, like Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert. Yeah, Those yeah, Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert, and this one is I think it's Forbidden Sky. You're trying to get right. into it's a like rocket. Right. Yeah. yeah, um, that looked very good, but it was quite busy to get near it. Uh, the Harbor Games were there as well, so uh, they quite a lot of kids games showing things like that, and. Uh, the we spoke about this game before, but the guys from One Free Elephant were there. So One All Free right. Elephant are a design studio. They designed the Microbrew, uh, yeah. which was the the worker placement uh, game that comes in the mint tin. Yeah, we talked about it a few weeks ago because me and Ben played a, a. Well, it wasn't a specific thing. We met off in a pub and played it. <laughs> That's right. Yes, and then I played it with Ben, and then we spoke about yeah. it on the podcast. Yeah. So those guys were there, so it was nice to catch up with them, um, Nigel and Sarah, and that was quite cool. Seeing them again and spoke to them very quickly. They were releasing the Kickstarter, they were launching the Kickstarter on that Saturday when we were there. All right. Uh, so the guys from the Unlucky Frog Gaming podcast were there as well, and they were they did a, a launch with uh, One Free Elephant to you know kind of like let's push the button in three two one and they launched the the kickstarter <laughs> for them they had a lot of fun uh they were recording a couple of shows there doing some live shows there was we met uh who else did we meet there we met uh i yeah i play red they were there we've seen them and a giant brain gaming or was it uh, i'm just looking here as well yeah ian from the giant brain uh, so there was other, you know, uh, podcasters and and blogs and writers there what? as well. You saying we're not the only one? I thought we invented absolutely. It. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it it was very in terms of you know things there to do, other than you know going there and either taking your own games or uh, buying some games for the bring and the bring and buy and playing them there there wasn't much kind of convention wise yeah but like i said the space that the guys had yeah. and the organ the organization was very good they had a lot of people uh wearing different color t-shirts so you could see them and they were just floating around they would help you you know if you needed something like uh oh we're new to board gaming. What would you suggest? Or we've got this game at the library. How do you play it? They were willing to do that. Um, David and the guys that were there were willing for, to chat to anyone. I know Stephen spent uh, a good hour chatting to them, finding out how they got on the organization. Stephen's going to write up something for the website at one point. That's cool. But he, yeah, so he spent quite a lot of time talking to the organizers and things like that. And yeah, it was one of those things that was, and I, I'm not trying to call it down or anything, but five minutes 
you covered everything you've seen everything that was there yeah so more worth going to to meet up with a bunch of people and play a bunch of board games yes um, yeah yeah which is not a bad thing no not a bad thing at all but it was well organized it was a pleasure being there it wasn't crowded that's cool so it was good and next year is going to be better the year after that is going to be better if they're going to do them i can only see it going from strength to strength to strength there was we've been to one uh you know a couple of events that have been here in glasgow and uh if you compare those to what was in Perth, it was night and day. Uh, mm. It was very well organised. Uh, I picked up a couple of things when we were there at the Bring and Buy. Of course you did. So, uh, yeah, I didn't spend <laughs> too much money. I spent a grand total of twenty-two pound. I, I, uh, I thought you were just going to end that. But I spent. A, I didn't spend that much. I spent a grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I spent like twenty-two pound. I got three kind of small games. I picked up a game called uh, Brave Rats from Seiji Kanai so that's the guy that done Love Letter yeah uh, a, a, a two player game and the cards you're playing with you're basically playing with you know like two decks of Love Letter cards, cards uh, numbered through from 0 to 7 yeah. and they all do different things and you play them against each other uh, you win a certain amount of rounds then you win the game so that's quite cool picked that up, I picked up uh it's a card game called Brew Crafters. So it's a game about making beer. You've got a brewery and you're building. Uh, you've got a, a deck of cards and you draw from them and then you can, the cards have dual purposes. They have ingredients so you can make beer from them or if you play them down in front of you, they give you a permanent effect. So maybe if you're making a beer, you only need one less ingredient or you get extra bonus points if you make a beer of a certain style things okay. like that and the first two 20 points wins something like that quite a simple little game um and it's based from the big board game called brew crafters which was brought out by dice hate games a couple of years ago it was a kickstarter if i remember and it's a big heavy euro this is the travel card version of it picked okay. it up for a fiver which is pretty cool not bad and then the one that i was quite excited about was it was a Kickstarter a couple of years ago from uh, a company called Toy Storyan, and it's called Crimson Creek. And it was one I think you had noticed as well, Kieran. It was from from Rado did, did a run through of it. Yeah, and it's a, a card game, and it's set. Uh, it's like Friday the 13th. It's a horror game and you're yes, in Crimson Creek and you're trying to find out who the, you know, somebody has been possessed by a killer called Klein. And the thing is that, you know, he died many years ago, but his spirit remains and he can, he can possess somebody. And mm. the, the twist in this game is that when you start the game, you could be the killer, but you don't know yeah. it yet. Yeah. I don't remember this one. Um, yeah, so I and I, so somebody had taken it in there and they to ten pounds for it, and it's the Kickstarter exclusive version with all the goodies and the upgraded components. That was a happy days. Not bad. So yeah, but it was a very pleasant experience the the whole day in total. Um, I did also get to uh, 
chat to a couple of guys who had a they had a game there and I'm just looking for my notes just to go through and tell you what it was. It was called Legends Untold and it's basically a card game and it's a RPG in card game form and it was it's very similar to uh, Arkham Horror the card game mm-hmm. in that you know you go on an adventure it's a can be campaign driven and it's all on the cards you you've got specifics at deck of cards for each action uh, sorry for each episode and the cards in this case as well they they form the map that you're on and you move through the map and you draw the cards you place them in certain ways depending on how you move through the map and choices that you make you can there's pitfalls and there's chance encounters and things like that and you have a state throughout the game your party has a state of where you can be cautious or you can be skillful so you can you know you might be able to see treasure in the distance or you might be able to spot a trap a mile off or if you do badly enough you may be careless and you walk into every trap and ambush that you find uh (laughs) <laughs> so yeah and it was quite involved the, the guy had said to to his because um, I was walking around and Ben was there as well and Ben had one of his daughters so we were you know walking around and seeing all the cool things and the guy was like can I show you this game said, yeah he said would you like to play um, it'll only take an hour or so to play but it'll take a little while to explain and it's like no, not with, you know, we've got a small child with us. How about we sit, just sit and talk us through it? And we ended up chatting for probably about half an hour about the, <laughs> how the game worked and the mechanics. I was like, I'm glad we didn't play it. But at the same time, I'm really glad we sat down and, and you know, chatted to the guys because Legends Untold is, it looks very involved. It's something... If I'd seen the Kickstarter, the Kickstarter was launched last year, about a year and a half ago, and it did well, it funded and everything, and I think if I had spotted it, I probably would have backed it. Yeah, I recognise the name, I think I saw it. Yeah, I, I, it's just I getting know. fulfilled at the moment. Right. Um, yeah, it's uh, the way that it works as well is it's got two stories, and they're pretty similar. You, uh, you've got a a bunch of I think they called them like merchants and they're traveling through you know the the top of the world uh, so not they're not going through caves and caverns they're going through towns and things and they're and forests and they're trying to get to a, a certain place and then the there's another group of adventurers and they're going through the caverns and the caves and stuff so it's the same kind of you know they're both going to the same place but they're going about it from different ways so when you play the game you know in you may have to you know navigate you know a town yeah if you play with the, the guys the, the merchants and then underneath it's uh, it will be a uh, a band of cave trolls or something you know, so you're getting two adventures uh, with different characters, different abilities, and things like that as well. And yeah, it looks really good. So that was quite cool to see those. Uh, there were a couple other companies that had Kickstarters that were getting launched, apart from One Free Elephant. 
and their Kickstarters were coming soon, so come and play our games. They had a playtest zone. There was a couple of games. Uh, ben was quite uh, enamored with a game called Dice Sunders, and he was chatting to those guys. Um, yeah. So all in all, really good day at uh, Tabletop Scotland. You can find them, I think, if you just uh, Google Tabletop Scotland, I think the website is www.tabletopscotland as well. Yeah, Check them cool. out. Uh, and I think they're going to start preparing. If they are doing it again, they normally start driving and pushing around about May. So look out for that. They also have a Facebook group, which they're quite active on as well. You can find them on Facebook. Just search for Tabletop Scotland. Definitely check them out if you're in the area or you're not too far away. You know, you're not, you know, down south and in London in England. Yeah. If you're in oh, Scotland, somewhere. you're probably close enough. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There are very few um, parts of Scotland that is hard to. Well, actually, that's not yeah. true. Decent <laughs> stuff up north is not well connected. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, but like I said, give it a couple of years and it's going to be a dynamite convention if they do keep it up. Yeah, I wanted to go this year, but was, well, sick mainly. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. I was like, my, I woke up and had a headache that made my head feel like it was going to explode and was already feeling sick the day before. So I was like, I'd, I'm not going to make this. So I was like, I'm not going to go. Yeah. Next. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. So I think that is it for board games. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, I did play some games when I was there as well. Um, not going to really talk about them. I uh, just mentioned what we did play. So we played some King of Tokyo. Hmm. Ben, had, ben hadn't played that before, but uh, Ben was busy chatting. He was. Wait, what? Uh, ben hasn't played King of Tokyo. How the fuck has Ben not played King of Tokyo? I don't know. I I have no How? idea. Next thing you'd be saying he's never played Munchkin before. I know, I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Ben was busy chatting to the guys at um, Dice Summoners and I was uh, busy entertaining his daughter. We were having a look around and stuff. It was like, let's go play some games. And we went and uh, she saw the, the little miniature stands, you know, the monsters let's play that so we ended up playing that and then ben came and joined us we played that we trying to think what else we played we played dice forge i like dice forge yes dice forge was very good that went down well and we also what well, i didn't play but i taught them takenoku nice and that went one that one went down quite well and still never played Still not. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll need to get you to get a game that's quite good. But yeah, yeah, that was it. So have we got any news? Yeah, got a handful of wee things. Um, cool. There was originally going to be a Nintendo Direct on today, but it's been delayed yes. because of an earthquake in Japan. Yeah. Um, so they haven't said when it's rescheduled for. They didn't explicitly say why that has been delayed as a result of that, but a lot of, like, a couple of insiders came out and said it's because one of the games that they're showing in that Nintendo Direct has, uh, like, an earthquake as, like, a prominent part of it, and they thought it was in bad taste, so they delayed it, which makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like what they did for, what Sony did for Motorstorm Apocalypse when it first came out. 
they played it in Japan because Japan had just been hit by like earthquake as well, and that game yes. has a bunch of natural disasters on it. Um, but yeah, so actually, by the time this podcast goes up, probably there should be hopefully Nintendo Direct stuff up. Um, what else have I got open here? Um, uh, Xbox Australia released a new controller for the Xbox One that is they are claiming is a hundred percent grease proof. Okay. So you won't, you know, when you're eating chicken and playing your Xbox, your controller won't oh. get greasy. <laughs> eating your Doritos and drinking. Drinking Mountain Dew and pouring it on your Xbox One controller. Um, the, it's kind of a PR stunt combined in with um, PUBG because PUBG has gone release on xbox one like it's 1.0 uh and the whole thing in PUBG is that when you win it it goes winner winner chicken dinner it's like oh chicken dinner and grease proof controller you won't get your controller greasy eating your chicken it's fucking oh yeah it's really why why are you even telling me about this because it looks funny like it's like a weird gray it's really shiny looking like i assume whatever they've coated it to make grease proof is these looks horrible (laughs) It's like so shiny. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Microsoft releases like a new Xbox One controller pretty much every week at this point. Uh, yeah, weird. I think so. And most of them look really nice, but it's weird. Uh, THQ Nordic bought the Kingdoms of Amalur IP. Oh! And also the unreleased Copernicus MMO, which was the Kingdoms of Amalur MMO that 38 Studios was working on. Um, Alright, okay. They haven't said what they're going to do with any of them yet, but the history of THQ Nordic so far has been they buy IPs of things and then do HD remasters of those things. So I guess expect Kingdoms of Amalur on PS4 and Xbox One, I don't know, probably next year. Uh, I hope they do a sequel because I really like that first game. Um, yeah, I did, yeah. But it's that thing where they just bought the IP and like the studio that made that dissolved years ago at this point. Um, yes. So... Who knows? Like, uh, they would have to give it to a different team, or maybe try and reassemble that team. Um, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Cool. I'd like that first game. Yeah. Um, there is a Horizon Zero Dawn board game up on Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah. Um, from Steamforged Games. Yes. Who have made a handful of things in the past. I think they were all Kickstarters. Um, the- I. I don't know if Guild, Guild Ball, Ball Guild was. Ball might not have been. Guild Ball might have just been the main, just a regular game. Um, yeah. But it's very mini heavy. Um, it looks, I mean, it looks all right. I don't know, though. Like, that Dark Souls game they made apparently wasn't very good. It didn't look very good. And everything I heard from people that actually got it was, eh, skip it. Yes. Um, Resident Evil, I believe, I don't even think it that... F- I don't think that's finished shipping, has it? It's not finished shipping yet. Um, a handful of people got to play it. I think they showed it at uh, Gen Con, maybe? Uh, right. Maybe, one of, maybe a PAX or two. Um, it's been playable at a couple of places, and I've heard, to be fair, I've heard positive things about it. Like People have been like, this is actually quite a good game. Um, so that one seems a bit more positive. Although the thing I've heard from everyone that's backed it is that their communication is terrible. Um, right. Like, all of the... Like, they update apparently uh, this again this is second hand information i don't have i didn't back it so i haven't seen the updates they give um 
but from what I've heard is that the updates for Resident Evil 2's Kickstarter campaign have all been focused on the miniatures and the artwork and stuff like that. And like they don't right. even have like a work in progress, you know, rule book for people to look at and stuff like that. Even though it's oh. supposed to be shipping soon. And even though like it's playable, like they have that rule book. People have played that game. Backers have played that game. But they wow. don't have which is just, it's just a weird thing. Yeah, it's that's a weird choice. Um, yeah, bizarre. Especially, especially given that if you know, it's the same people telling me these two things and saying that uh, the game is also apparently quite good. So it's such a weird move to be like the game's quite good, but we won't tell you the rules until it comes out. Yeah, <laughs> it's like strange. Uh, have some confidence in your game. Um, yes, the artwork looks nice. I, I don't know. I'm not. It doesn't look like my kind of game. It looks very dice roll. It looks very. Uh, yeah, it. You know, very miniature combat heavy. Yeah, which I've never you been know, super into kind of miniature yeah, combat stuff. Dice and slide rules and things like that. Yeah. Isn't which been my pretty. Yeah. But yeah, some, some people. people like yeah. Um, and the metros do look very nice. I mean, that Thunderjaw looks like a giant. I I love this trend of miniatures that are actually bigger than most board game boxes at this point. Um, <laughs> the one that uh, I think we talked about in the podcast before, the one that Nathan backed, the Cthulhu one that comes with. Oh, the, the, yes, the cool the, mini or not, where it is the size of an actual human child. Yeah, it's like bigger than a toddler, and it can be used like as a game board. Like there's slots on it for placing the other miniatures. It's so big. It's Yes. It's fucking cool. Um, but I wouldn't back it, but I'm not made of money, so uh this has got a bunch of big miniatures in it as well for each of the kind of big mechs, like the fire claw and the thunder draw and stuff like that. Um I wasn't I enjoyed Horizon Zero Dawn, but not enough to want to play a board game based on it. Yeah, um I'm kind of with you. Or if it was a board game, not a miniatures one. Yeah, but I guess that's for most things. Yeah, I mean, not a miniatures combat one. I mean, no. I like Rising Sun a lot. Yeah, but that's not real. It's got combat in it, but it's not. Yeah, I was gonna say, but it's if you're gonna say it's not a miniatures game, like ninety percent oh, of that God. box is miniatures. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, they added an extra box just to add more miniatures. Um, speaking of miniatures and Rising Sun. Um, yes. Cool Many or Not announced their probably not their next game, but another game they are working on because they work on like a thousand games at once. Uh, created by Eric Lang, they're making a Bloodborne game that will be on Kickstarter later this year. Yes, um, which is going to be a board game as well. They did the card game that came out last last year. There's also a Kickstarter. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, I've played that card game. That card game is actually quite good um it's quite simple but it's it, it's good it's, it makes good use of the the license so that combined with the fact it's eric lang um gives me interest because yeah. i haven't played yeah. what was the one before everyone loves blood rage blood rage yeah uh i've not played that but everyone seems to like that uh but i really like rising sun so i will at least listen yeah i think you you played the XCOM uh, board game, yeah? I didn't play the XCOM. Was that also him? Yes. All right. Um, no, I didn't. I never played the XCOM one. Oh right, okay. 
Uh, I don't know why you. I thought you did, but yeah, uh, yeah. Eric Lang has got a a good pedigree of games. Yeah, and Come or Not has a bit more. I want to see Rocky. Like most Come or Not things, seems to be received relatively positively. I think a lot of them just aren't my kind of game. Um, yeah, well, you know, they have uh, changed and grown quite a lot. Um, when they took on Eric Lang as their, you know, their their chief head of design, mm-hmm. um, you know, they've uh, Adrian is their artistic director now. Uh, yeah, so they have evolved quite a bit, yeah. um, and it has been interesting to see that happen. Um, they are I, they're a company I tend to I pay attention to when they do something now. You know, because yeah. it's not just miniatures anymore. But to be fair, I also pay attention largely because their miniatures are insane. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. Even if I'm not interested in whatever game they put up in Kickstarter, it's always like, well, that miniature is fucking cool. Yes. Yeah. Um. What else we got here? Uh, CD Pro- or not CD Project? Uh, Netflix announced the uh the casting for the main character in their. Witcher oh, Netflix series. Yes. Yeah. Henry Cavill will be playing Geralt, which is an interesting choice. Superman himself. Yeah, I was I was gonna say I don't remember Geralt's mother called Martha though, so <laughs> the thing I like about this though is that um I saw people like linking to I think it was an IGN interview from right. like a few years ago where IGN asked Henry Cavill like if he played games and he's like yeah I just finished The Witcher 3 for like the third time and they're oh, like wow, what? Okay. and they're like what and that's like a hundred hour game and he's like yeah I really fucking love The Witcher and everyone's like <laughs> nice. that's a good choice that's a fucking that's a good choice um, and he's alright actor those Superman movies are bad but that's not his fault no no he does what he can with that material yes yeah um, I've not seen the latest Mission Impossible yet, but I've heard he's good in that. All right, I've uh, yeah, I've yet to play uh, watch that one as well. Yeah. Um. Oh fuck! I did have another game to talk about. I was looking at the news. Uh, Donut County came out on uh, phones and PS4 and everything else. Uh, I played a bit of that. That game's weird and good. I'll talk about it next week when I play more of it. Um. But it's basically a game where you play as a whole, and you're eating things to get bigger. All right, okay. And it's got a really goofy sense of humor, as you would expect from a game that is about playing as a whole. Yes. Um, but it's really cool. Um, bah, bah, anything else? Oh, there's a the I forget the name of the company. Yacht Games. I always say Yacht Games. Yacht Club Games. Uh, the guys that make Shuffle Night. Announced oh, yeah. the fourth and final DLC for Shovel Knight, uh, uh-huh. which is called Showdown. It is a brawler, a four-player battle mode. It's it's basically they made Super Smash Brothers in the Shovel Shovel Knight engine, and it looks fucking fantastic. Um, it will be free for everyone that owns Shovel Knight, I believe. I believe all their DLC is free. Alright, okay. Um it looks genuinely super cool. Like I really like Shovel Knight in general, but 
they made this really weird, like, Super Smash Bros. style beat em up. And yeah, I, I recommend people go watch videos of it, and they'll, they'll think they've said when it's coming out. But they showed a bunch uh-huh. of gameplay of it. Um, but yeah, it looks fucking cool. Excellent. Um, yeah, uh, Fortnite is adding, or I think by now has added, uh, a new weapon. Yes. It's a grappling hook. Oh, okay. So you can grapple around and, like, you know, just cause your way across levels. Which seems really cool. Yeah. Seems like it could be pretty interesting. I should play more Fortnite. I, yeah, I've kind of drifted away from it. Fortnite. Uh, Fortnite, yes, yeah. Fortnite. But, uh... Yeah, still a fun 40 hours was had. Yeah, that's fair. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, I don't think I have any more regular news. I have another couple of... Oh, uh, there was a gameplay footage video of Cyberpunk 2077, finally. Yes. It came out... Um, not really much to talk about on the podcast I guess but it looks fucking good uh huh um it looks like a weird first person cyberpunk RPG kind of what you'd expect um yeah I'm looking forward to that game that game's gonna be pretty good and yeah so the only other thing I've got here is a couple of kickstarter things so uh, like you said, Microbrew is now on Kickstarter. Yes. It has... Yeah, it's completely smashed its goal already, so... Yeah, no... No risk there. Go back no. if you want to play it. Um, yeah. Go listen to the podcast from a few weeks ago um, that we talked about it in. Uh, I think yeah. we both quite liked it. Yeah, that... If I remember my, right. my only reservation was the art. I wasn't too keen on the the new art that they had. Yeah. Um, but there is, I think, I don't know if it's all sold out, but there was an option where you could get two copies of the game, one with the new art and one with the old art. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and I, I have, I have backed it and, uh, I'm not too, like I said, I'm not too keen on the art, but they are adding little extras and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I I probably won't back it, but I did enjoy it when I played it. Um, what else? Uh, Summoner's Isle, which we also talked about Yeah, last, you... not last week, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whenever we think, did a podcast. Yeah, I think Yeah, yeah, I think you and, or I think Ben spoke about it. Yeah, me and Ben. And yes, that's right. Was yeah. Nathan on that episode? I don't think Nathan was on that episode. Nathan uh, played it as well. Yes, that's right, yeah. Um, yeah, that game's alright. It's on Kickstarter now. Yes. Um, so go take a look at it if you're interested in us talking about it a few weeks ago. Um, it has... Uh, by the time this podcast goes up, it will have reached its goal. Because <laughs> it's like a few hundred off. Like, it's pretty much there. Um, cool. And it has, like, you know, pretty much the whole time left. 
Right. Uh, I think that's all the Kickstarter stuff that we've talked about this up now. Um, I don't think I have any other news here. Should we do new releases? Have uh, you got any news? There, there isn't many at all. So, uh, our trusty little sheet is saying for weekending the fourteenth. Oh no, that's wrong because uh, maybe I should uh, update my sheet. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I was looking at the the fourteenth of August, which uh, everything's yeah. already come out. Yeah, as it turns out. Yeah. So uh, for the weekending, the fourteenth of September, I've uh, got a couple of things coming out coming out on the eleventh. So by the time you listen to this, it will probably have already been out. Two K nineteen. Yeah. If you like base, uh, baseball, if you like basketball. Yeah, but it's coming out to everything. Uh, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, on the 14th, we've got Black Clover Quartet Nights from Bandai Namco coming to PS4, Xbox One, and PC. I don't know not what too that sh- is. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not too sure what that is. Something anime. Yeah. I've heard of Black Clover before. I'm pretty sure it's like a shonen anime, like you know, right? Male focused guys beating each other up, kind of thing. Dragon yeah. Ball Naruto-y kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, we've also got a game for the PlayStation VR uh, called Blind from Surprise Attack Games mm. that comes out. Uh, Brawlout is coming to the PS4. So Brawlout, if I remember correctly, that was the game that came out on the Switch first, was it not? Yeah, uh, well, it was on PC for a while as well, but yes. Uh, All right, yeah. It's a Smash Brothers esque game. It's yes, not great. I don't mind it. It's okay. I like the of all the kind of Smash Brothers clones that are out there. I like the art style the most, if nothing else, and it does play okay. But it's just not. There's something missing from it. Right. Um, it came out on Xbox One last week as well, and they added. So they had some guest characters on Switch. They had. Uh, the Drifter from Hyper Light Drifter, and I think there was another one. Oh, um, the dude from Guacamelee are both in it. And then on, right. the, on the Xbox One, they also added um Yuka and Lele from Ukulele. Right. Which is pretty neat. I think that's rolling out to the other versions as well, but it was on the Xbox One version first. So this PS4 right, okay. one will probably have it. Yeah. 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 Cool. Uh. NHL 19 comes out from EA on the PS4 and Xbox One. Yeah, sports time. Sports! Uh, there is also the a new vehicle kit for the Nintendo label. That looks fucking Come- cool. <sighs> yeah, they do, but the, I've, I've now come to the conclusion Nintendo label is not for me. It's the, I mean, it's for know- kids. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, the game part of that is like a weird kind of like open world thing that you make different vehicles out of the Labo stuff and then you can switch between them to traverse this open world. Right. kind of cool. But again, it's probably quite shallow because it's for kids. But yes. Yeah. It looks neat. And then the last thing I've got for the 14th of September is a big one. It's Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Yeah. Uh, it comes out for PS4, Xbox One and PC. So PlayStation players don't have to wait a year for this one. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> I still haven't so, played Rise of the Tomb Raider. 
beyond like, oh, the first starting bit. <laughs> yeah, I I wasn't too sure what effect that was going to have when they did it, yeah. but it was it was disastrous. I got to the bit where you kill the bear, and then you meet the guy, and then it's like, all right, now you've got a like, little hub area, and it's like, great, I'm done. Yeah. And turned it off. Wow. I should probably reinstall so. it, because I bet that looks really nice in the PS4 Pro. Oh, yeah. It, uh, I I played it on my um my Xbox One S. Yeah. Yeah, and it looked really, really pretty. So, um, yeah, I am cute. I'm curious about the new Tomb Raider. I probably will pick it up at one point. Yeah, I'll probably get it eventually. <laughs> and my... <laughs> so, I was trying to be as professional as possible, but my cat has... <laughs> Shit. My That's cat great. is tangled himself in my headset cable. Because <laughs> I'm using... <laughs> I'm using Discord. And, uh, yeah, I... I cannot move. I've got a cat wrapped around my my chin, and so I can't move the iPad or anything. So that's it for new releases. <laughs> um, <laughs> is there anything we need to speak about? And I have um, the cats broken okay now. Yay! Uh, not really. I guess just say next week we'll probably have some Spider-Man news because yeah, absolutely. We're both expecting. Uh, well, you're definitely getting a copy of it by midnight tonight. Um, yes, that's right. I will have a copy that should hopefully show up in the post at some point tomorrow. So, cool. yeah, we'll talk about some Spider-Man next week. Be Excellent. Good. good, good. But if you to send us an email, so you can send us an email to podcast at glitchfreegaming.com. You can find us on Facebook, search for Glitch Free Gaming. On Twitter, you can send us a tweet at Glitch Free Game. And of course, don't forget to go to www.glitchfreegaming.com where you can see all the lovely written content uh, that you can that we do put out. And of course, we have a YouTube channel as well. We do. What's the address for that one? Uh, it should just be YouTube.com/slash/glitchfreegaming. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Or maybe um, user slash glitch. I forget how YouTube URLs work. I think it's user yeah. slash glitch free gaming. Uh, yeah. Google glitch free gaming. You'll probably find. You will find it. Actually, yes. no. You know what? You search for glitch free gaming on YouTube. You find a bunch of videos about how to get free games. Oh really? Through a glitch. <laughs> yeah. As it turns out, it's glitch free game is what our username is. So user slash right. game. No, yeah. If you search for like glitch free gaming on, uh, YouTube. Oh, actually, you know what? We do show up right near the start. Uh, none of our videos show up on like the first page, but our right. channel does show up. But all the first page are just, oh, free PS4 games glitch, PS Store glitch 2018, free PS4 games glitch, any game PS Store to glitch. The Division <laughs> is a glitch-free gaming experience. Damn it, Vine uh... stealing our goddamn, just because you're a verified YouTuber. Um, yeah. Yeah, like it's the almost the entire first page is just here's how to get free games through a glitch. Yeah, I, I remember times that we'd uh, we started reading the reviews of the podcast, and somebody gave us a one star review because we spoke about video games instead of telling them how to get free ones. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I keep a. I, if I remember correctly, he said he was never going to listen to us ever again. So Terrible. 
Unlike that guy, though, you should give us a high review on iTunes or yes, whatever podcast absolutely. store you use because yeah. it bumps us up and more people listen to us. Cool. Excellent. So without further ado, uh, I think that's us done for this week. We will see you again next week, like Kieran says, with hopefully lots of Spider-Man news. So until then, we will see you again. Yeah. Till next time. My spidey sense is tingling. Nope. No, that's just a migraine. Damn. See ya. See ya.